0: Get in your Bible to Proverbs 6. Proverbs chapter 6. All right. As uh, usual, we'll start with uh, some of the questions that were uh, turned in. Uh, Question number one, what should I do about the other children at school making fun of my daughter's looks and bringing her down? Um, this is a great question because it's going to happen, uh, pretty much in every area of life. It's not going to just happen at school. It's going to happen with your family. It's going to happen at church. It's going to happen with our friends. People are, are people, uh, everywhere. And and by the way, uh, as hard as it is to, to accept, uh, and look at this from the bigger picture, God is going to allow some of this to happen because those become teaching moments for a parent and a child, and uh, and so it's actually important that we respond uh, in the right way. Uh, I mean, first, if you've succeeded in teaching your child a healthy view of themselves, like we talked about uh, last week, uh, this will affect them less. It is always going to affect them, but it will affect them less. Secondly, you can certainly uh, reinforce yourselves you know that their appearance is good but you need to just accept that your child is not going to care as much about your assessment of their appearance as they care about their peers assessment of their uh, appearance uh, one of the things we taught our boys growing up is, is that if anybody teases you about anything don't ever let them know that it bothered you uh, because if somebody who's doing this realizes that it bothers them They're going to keep at it. And so as hard as it might be, you need you to teach your child just to not let that bother them on on the outside, though that kind of stuff, it hurts everybody, you know, on on the inside. So I I would start there. I would also use it as a teaching opportunity to, you know, hey, how did this make you feel? Um, How does it make you feel? How do you think it makes others feel when you do it? and use it as a teaching opportunity. You're going to face it. Uh, I would say this is in almost no cases, uh, unless it's just super, super extreme, uh, you ought to get involved as, as a parent. There, there are rare occasions when, when, when that's the case, but uh, for the most part, you shouldn't. R- remember this simple thing uh, about leadership. When you make a big deal about something, it is always going to be a bigger deal to whoever's involved. You know, uh, if your child is really upset about everything and then you make a big deal out of it, you as the leader, as the adult, you you haven't brought the temperature down at all. And so if you blow your stack and then just talk about how terrible this is, and you, you, again, you're not helping your child in that. Now, it might, inside, it might really, really bother you. And, and when when someone's hurting your kid or your kid is hurt, it is a normal parental response to have that bother you too. But but you have to do the same thing. You, you got to do what's in their best interest, which is, as much as possible, make a little deal out of it unless it's something super extreme. Uh, question two, how do you help your child gain confidence? Um, the first thing I would always do to help your child gain confidence is look for areas where they're strong and uh, compliment them in them. You know, uh, I, I believe God has gifted every, every human being in some way. And a part of our job as a parent is to help find those areas, you know, and to help our children become uh, constant, um, confident in them. Uh, again, as much as possible, compliment your children on things they can control. You know, they can always control their character. They control their effort. They control their faith. They control their integrity. And uh, th- those are not in anyone else's hands, and so the better you do at that, the better you will help them be properly uh, uh, confident. Uh, question number three, is it possible to tell your children they're pretty and handsome too frequently? Yes. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> mean, mean, Proverbs 31 says, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. And, and so I'm going to tell you, you build your child's self-image on their external appearance when they're young and as a teenager if they have some ugly duckling ears <laughs> which nearly everybody has or in the end not being as quote externally handsome or as attractive as you you wish they were you know you you really hurt them you have really hurt them do everything you can to have their body uh, their their self-image and things they control listen Everybody has body image issues. I wish you could sink that in your head. You, you know, we, we look at somebody and we say, "Well, wow, they're so attractive, they don't have any body image issue. Uh, the most beautiful woman you know and the most handsome man you know, they have body image issues because all of us are comparing ourselves to all these people on television who are, A, start out to be the most attractive people from among us, and B, have nothing else to do in life because their life depends on it. Maintain that. And so because of that, everybody has body image issues. And and so uh, understand that and, and, you know, keep it under control. By the way, I'm not implying you shouldn't tell your kids they're handsome or or good-looking. I'm not saying that. I I think it's a good thing to say in in moderation. I'm just saying you can do it too much. Uh, Question number four, how do we start identifying our children's strengths and weaknesses? Um, start off with number one being honest as you consider them it's a hard thing because as a parent you're designed to be someone with bias towards them and so uh, you will never identify their strengths and weaknesses unless you begin by being honest look for things that they're good at Uh, most particularly things they're good at that will help them uh, in life uh, skills, natural dispositions, uh, all of that. Pray for the wisdom of God. L- listen, the way God designed people, uh, a person is always going to have the most joy and satisfaction doing whatever God designed them to do. You know, if you are designed by nature to make your living being a nurse or working in a factory or being a carpenter or... Uh, being a mechanic or uh, working in chemistry or, or being a teacher, or whatever it is you' you're designed by God to do, you will get joy doing that. And, and so you greatly help your child by helping them genuinely identify their strengths and weaknesses, especially if it's in something that you know they can make some kind of a, a living. And uh, like before, listen to teachers and critics who don't have your bias. Uh, that doesn't mean every critic is right about everything they say. doesn't mean every teacher is right about everything they say. But you and I as parents, we, you will constantly, if you're going to be wise, uh, battle this, uh, I can't see my kid properly, and, and those kinds of people will help you. Question number six, how do I make sure my kid is surrounded by good friends when I don't like any of the kids their age at church? Um, I honestly when I read this question I I laughed out loud Uh, I don't use lol uh, on any of my posts I feel like it's feminine Um, I'll put a smiley face but you know to each his own Uh, I I, I laughed out loud and here's why is because uh, and probably whoever's here doing this and so I'm I'm not mocking you or at least I'm mocking you anonymously Um, here's why um, the other parents are looking at that same group of kids, including your kid, and they're stepping back and saying, there's no good kids around. I, I can't tell you how many times as a youth leader I would have a parent of girls uh, say to me, there's no good guys in the youth group. Or at the same time, I'd have a parent of guys come to me and say, there's no good girls in the youth group. And um, again, you have to fight your own bias. And if you don't, you're going to hurt your kid. Listen, when your child is young, their relationship with their peers, it doesn't matter much to them, but there's a natural process that's going to begin probably in the 10 to 13 range when what their peers think of them is going to matter to them. And when they're in the 15 to 18 range, they're going to care more about what their peers think than you do, and you need to do everything you can to keep them around as good of a group of kids as you can. I get it. You can keep them in uh, children's church and children's choir and be here Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and here for master clubs and, and your child just still... Pick bad kids. You can find bad kids in the church to hang around. There's bad kids everywhere. I'm just saying, as a parent, do everything you can to keep them around good kids, as good a kids as you can find. So there are no good kids. Um, Listen, when it comes to kids, nobody's a finished product. Look at, A, their potential. Look at, B, which direction are they going in life. Look at see. Look at their look at their home. <laughs> All right. And by the way, there's some kids with homes that are not that good who are, are going a good direction in life themselves. And, and and look at those things. And look at some other kids with a kind of grace you wish somebody would look at yours with. And um, <laughs> most kids from decent homes make zero manifestation of where they're going to go in life before 14 or 15 or 16. Uh, in uh, Our kids, uh, they were in par- private school for part of their education. They were in public school for uh, the last part of their education. Uh, it, it, we wanted them in the highest academic classes we could keep them in to keep them around as good of possible kids as we could keep them around. But understand this, that a lost kid from a good family, like in a high academic class, they're not manifesting what they're going to be until they're 16 or 17 years old. And if those are your kids' best friends, don't look for any influence for faith when you get to the place where peers have the most influence. And again, whoever wrote the question, I'm glad you turned it in, but you may not like the answer, but my answer is simply this. Uh, Keep your kids around as good a kids as you can keep them around, as much as you can keep them around them. In the end, your child will choose their friends. In the end, no matter what you've done, they're going to pick what they're going to pick. Always, you want to be able to put your head on your pillow. If Christ tarries and your kid is 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, making bad choices, you want to put your head on your pillow and know. I did everything I could. And if you don't do that, I'm going to just tell you what, you're going to really struggle. And you, you need that for, you, for yourself. Uh, some interesting but not always serious quotes. Here's number one. Never raise your, hands, uh, your hand to your kids. It leaves your groin unprotected. Uh, number two, don't worry about your children not listening to you as much as you worry about them always watching you. Uh, Number three, it is easier to have opinions about how others should raise their children than to parent your own children. (laughs) Uh, Just a couple foundational uh, thoughts. Uh, Number one, there's a reason God made human children dependent on their parents longer than any other creature. You have time. Okay? Don't panic if they don't have it all together at 7, 10, (laughs) 12... All right. God purposely gave them to you for a long time. you got a long time to keep working and pointing the arrow. Number two, make God and his word the primary authority in all matters where it speaks. Number three, children need to have you as their friend, but they need you to be their parent and the adult in the situation even more. I, I wish I-, I could let that sink into your head. A part of what you're going to have to accept is that in most cases, not all, But in most cases, you're going to go through a time when your child is not your friend because you're being the parent and the adult. All right? And just know this, that if Christ tarries, when it's all said and done, they'll come back and you'll be friends. All right? They need you to be the parent and the adult in the situation. Uh, Today we're on week 12. Uh, gonna do 15 or 16 uh, weeks uh, together Uh, as I tell you every week I don't have all the answers Uh, I do want to help you Uh, I do want to be honest with you as we go uh, through all this with uh, a lot of different things and uh, as always we start with the scripture uh, because God knows more about what it takes for our children to have a meaningful fulfilled uh, life than we do and uh, we started talking a couple of weeks ago about character Uh, Remember, character is something that is learned. Character is something that is built. Uh, Character is who we are. Uh, Reputation is what people think we are. And in the end, if our character is good, our reputation will take care of itself. In the end, if our character is good, we will be what we should be and do what we should do. And so as parents, we need to be focusing on our children's character rather than their reputation. And character, as I said before, is learned behavior. And so we just started a few weeks ago, and we're going to spend the whole rest of our time on different aspects of this. Uh, We're talking about what kind of character attributes I should try to build in my children and model myself. Remember the first week we talked about identifying with their gender, you know, being how God designed them to be. Then last week we talked about the importance of helping our children build a healthy self-image. Uh, Remember this proper balance of confidence and humility. It is not the child with the most confidence who succeeds. It is a child with the most realistic assessment of their strengths and weaknesses that succeeds. And we want that for our children. And so today we're going to just talk about three more character attributes to try to build in our child. You should be in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. By the way, you, you you have years to build these. All right? All these things, building them is, is a process. And you're going to build and you're going to wonder if you're getting anywhere and you're going to build if you're wondering you're getting anywhere and you just have to keep in there trying to put these character qualities in your child because in the end, they have to choose them. Uh, here's number one. Teach them to receive instruction and admonition. Teach them to receive instruction and admonition. Proverbs 3.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Notice hearing reproofs of instruction there, the way of life. Turn up a few chapters to Proverbs 13. See, this isn't really a character or attribute that we think about much, but it's actually one of the most important ones. Proverbs 13.18 It says, poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. But he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. Uh, There's not a parent here that wants your child to eventually have poverty and shame in their life. Not one. But if they refuse instruction, that's what their future holds. And if they regard reproof, they listen to someone who corrects them. Uh, They'll bring honor in their life. Turn up a chapter or so to uh, chapter 15, verse 5. It says, a fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. To regard, to listen to, to carefully consider being reproof, that is an attribute of someone who is prudent. Look at verse 10 there in the same chapter. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. Uh, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Uh, I don't want my children to shorten their lifespan. They need to listen to reproof. Uh, Verses 31 uh, in the same chapter, the ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. Uh, He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Notice the positive promises. You hear reproof, you abide among the wise. You hear reproof, you get understanding. You refuse instruction. Notice on the negative end, you despise your own soul. Uh, This is a recurring message throughout Proverbs. It's frequent. And remember, much of Proverbs is a wise father teaching his child. That's why 23 times in this book, the phrase, my son, occurs. That's a pretty sober warning to those who refuse instruction and reproof. Um, but learning to have a willingness to listen and take instruction is one of the greatest gifts you give your children. Anybody here know any adults that refuse to listen to anybody? You might be an adult who refuses to listen to anybody. It's not a good quality in a human being. You see, people who are like that, I mean, you can pretty much mark it down. They're going to learn all of life's lessons the most painful way. By the way, I know adults uh, in their 30s, 40s, and even 50s who still insist on learning every one of life's lessons the most painful way, and it's all because they won't listen. You see, not listening to reproof is a great enemy of all self-improvement, of repentance, positive changes in life, and personal growth. It is a wonderful thing to just simply accept in life this basic thing. Every person knows something in some specific area that I don't know. Therefore, I need to listen to them. By the way, reproofs of life for our children come from more than us as parents. Uh, they come from grandparents. They come from teachers. They come from coaches. They come from uh, Sunday school teachers and youth leaders and pastors and all sorts of people. One of the best things you ever do as a parent is just decide that God has placed more than just you in your child's life to give you to give them direction. Listen, you are the primary director. God chose you to be their parent. God chose them to be your child. First and foremost, you are responsible for pointing them in the right direction. But understand, by the grace of God, God has given all of us a team of people around us to stand with us and point our children in the right direction as well. So instead of fighting everybody else instead of fighting a teacher who's trying to bring out something in your child or a coach that's trying to bring something out in a child or a youth worker or a pastor that's trying to bring something out in your child, how about you just say, do you know what? I'm glad they're there. Say, Brother Wally, how can I teach my children to receive instruction and admonition? Uh, First, let them see you seek and listen to wise counsel and instruction. Uh, How about let them see you Listen to reproof and be corrected by others. Your children ever see you go to the altar and pray? What do your children see when someone corrects you? Listen, we all get correction from people, and most of the time the correction that comes our way isn't from someone who really ought to be correcting us. Uh, Teach them that someone asking a question is not usually a challenge. Uh, I thought that this was one of the hardest lessons we had in our house. Uh, Because people naturally, in their fallen nature, they assume when you ask them a question that you're challenging something. You will really help your child a lot just by, instead of being angry when someone asks them a question, why'd you do that in the backyard? How come the mower is over there? Why did you get that grade? What did you do to her? <laughs> oh, what did you do that caused them to do that? You, you know, not everything is a challenge. You know, most of the time it's just a question, and you will really help them. Listen, there's adults. they're still you ask them a question, and they're immediately put back because they take every question as a challenge. That that is not helpful. Uh, stop finding fault with messengers who bring truth and listen to the message. How about this? Let them correct you in a respectful way. And admit when you're wrong. And apologize. By the way, I've had a lot of correction over the years by my wife and my children. Lots. And what you don't realize is not only are you... Uh, demonstrating the fact that you're teachable to them, you you, you are really helping them learn how to be teachable. Um, Compliment them for listening and following good advice and instruction. Do do, do you ever, listen, so often uh, our relationship with our our children is only negative. Do do you ever say, wow, you know what, I saw you listening uh, to the message uh, tonight. Great job. Wow, you know, your coach told you to go over and and do that, and you did that. Great job. Uh, Point out times when they should have taken godly counsel, and uh, it hurt them. Remember, we talked about this. If you would have listened, this wouldn't have happened. Listen, you're going to do this a hundred times. It's not like you're going to do this once between the ages of three and five and it never happens again. You have them from God for many years and you're planting this whole idea deep in their mind that it is a good thing to listen to instruction and admonition. Uh, It is a quality of our character. It is a choice. It is learned behavior. Romans chapter 14 talking about character qualities to teach our children, modeling ourselves and teach them. Romans chapter 14. If this verse isn't already highlighted in your Bible, it should be. Romans chapter 14, verse 12. Romans fourteen, twelve. So then, every one of us, shall give account of himself to God. (laughs) That is a great Bible principle. Every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Here's number two. Teach them to be responsible for their choices and hold them responsible whenever possible. Teach them to be responsible for their choices and hold them responsible whenever possible. I mean, understand that God gave human beings freedom. He made us free to choose. We can choose to believe or not believe, obey and not obey. We can choose to live our life any way we want. But understand in the end, though God made us free to choose, God will choose the consequences of what we freely chose. We will all give an account to God for how we chose to live. Uh, if we were to study this issue, and if you take notes, write down Deuteron- Deuteronomy 24:16. one of the things that the Old Testament teaches is that the fathers will not be put to death for the sins of the children, and the children will not be put to death for the sins of the fathers. So why does the, why does the Bible teach that? Because every one of us will give account of ourselves to God. Uh, now, you and I all know this morning we live in a culture that's becoming increasingly irresponsible. In fact, it is natural and normal in our culture to blame everything on someone else. Taking responsibility for what you say and do, though, is an important part of being a functional adult. By the way, all of us know people who have gotten older but still are not responsible. By the way, that didn't start most of the time when they were adult, it started most of the time when they were a child, and then they never learned and chose to become responsible. Adult age people blame everything on someone else, what they do, what they say, when they fail. You know, one of the first worst things we can do as a parent when it comes to this issue Of teaching them to be responsible and holding them responsible is to bail our children out of everything they get into you know listen uh, let them feel the pain of their bad choices there will come a time when you won't be able to bail them out anymore and the pain of their choice won't be a C on their test. The pain of their choice won't be the coach left them on the bench for half the game because their attitude is bad. The the, the consequence of what they choose will be some kind of pain that will be big and, and you won't be able to take it away. It's a life principle. Um, When I first taught on uh, parenting, it was probably 20 years ago. Our children were still teenagers, and my pastor asked me to do a series on on parenting uh, at at the church. And one of the things I did uh, before I did the series is I made up a questionnaire, and I gave it to, I think, maybe five different uh, couples who had raised good kids. And I asked them these questions. I mean, How did you handle this? What do you think about this? I mean, why did you do that? Uh, And here's one of the things that they said in in, in that uh, questionnaire I gave them. They said this. The biggest mistake I think parents make is not being able to see their child's weaknesses and to overprotect their child. I think it is my responsibility to correct my child's mistakes and help them understand the tendencies they may have to fail. It is not my job to change the world for my child but to help my child survive in a world that'll never be fair. By the way, that's the kind of philosophy that helps kids become functional adults. And it will not be a natural thing for you as a parent when you watch your child feel the the pain. But for their future's sake, it's what you have to do. Listen. People who think everybody and everything owes them a living, it is not not only just a political tool, it's destroyed whole segments of our culture. Say, so, Brother Wally, how can I teach my children to take responsibility for uh, their choices? Uh, start by not letting them blame someone else for their failures. Hold them responsible. You know, hold them responsible for the grades they get when you don't feel like the teacher is the best. Um, You don't have to put your hand up, but if I said put your hand up, if you've ever had a bad boss or a bad coworker, every hand would go up. It is a life lesson to learn that you don't have to poorly perform when people poorly perform around you. Teach your children that. Listen, you're going to privately think a teacher is not doing the kind of job you wish they did or a coach is not handling your child right well, and and you might be right. Did you ever, I don't know, am am I the only parent that would pray that God give my child the teacher they need? Now, if I knew the teachers that were going on, I I would pray, God, give them Mrs. So-and-so, but give them what they need. Uh, God give them the coach they need. Do you ever think sometimes it's good for your kid to have a coach that doesn't treat him right? No way. Everybody should be nice to my sweetheart. Not if you want him to be a functional adult. Say, brother Wallace, did you struggle with this? Yes. I kept my mouth shut. Yeah. My kids better than them. My kids better than them. My kids better than them. Look at his kid. His kid's out there all the time, and he stinks. If I was coached, then I'd play my kid too. Uh, you, if, if you've ever been involved in this stuff, you you know exactly what I'm I'm, I'm talking about, and and you've got to fight that as much as you possibly can to help your children learn to be responsible and part of that lesson has to come when things aren't like they should be how can I teach my children to be responsible increase their responsibilities with age you know from the time your child is four and five they they ought to have some basic responsibilities around the house Um, and when they're older they ought to have more uh, how can I teach my children to be responsible for their choices? Increase their privileges with increased responsibility. That's the way life works. By the way, this is a very easy principle when your ch- kids are children. Much more difficult when they're teenagers and giving them more privileges means they're not going to be under your supervision. <laughs> but you know what? Give them more Privileges if they use responsibility well, take privileges away if they re- use responsibility poorly. It's gonna happen. Don't just keep giving them privileges, take it away. Life is linked. Privileges in life are linked with being responsible. Some of you all, when you go to get a loan, you know, your credit score is 470, and you know your home loan is fifteen percent and your car loan is twenty percent. You know what? That's because you haven't been responsible. This is a life principle. How can I teach my children to be responsible? Make it a big deal about being trusted. That should always be a big deal. I'm trusting you to do this. You betrayed my trust. Now you've got to earn it back some. Trust is not a gift, trust is a privilege. Uh, how can I teach my children to be responsible for their choices? Uh, teach them to keep their word and commitments when they don't feel like it and other opportunities come up. By the way, every one of those things, those are uh, an opportunity to demonstrate your character. Accepting responsibility is not a gift of God. It is a choice. It is learned behavior. It's part of godly character. And lastly, go up a few books to Colossians chapter 3. And I wish I had more time to spend on this, but I don't. Colossians chapter 3, talking about teaching our children character. We talked about listening to reproof instruction. We talked about teaching them to be responsible and holding them responsible. Here's number three. Teach them to pursue personal excellence. And to accept whatever victories and losses that gives them. (laughs) To pursue personal excellence and accept whatever victories and losses that gives them. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, uh, not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the uh, Lord Christ. By the way, what that means is that uh, your real boss is not your boss. If your boss is doing a a lousy job, don't work for that earthly boss. Work for the Lord. Uh, If that coach is doing a lousy job, you tell your kid to play well for the Lord, not for that coach. If your teacher is doing a lousy job, you say, hey, listen, you know what? Uh, I don't know whether she's doing uh, good or not. She's your teacher. Do a good job for the Lord. Do it heartily. Give your best. Pursue excellence. If I was to make... Uh, an observation about biblical Christianity. Remember, in a lot of ways, I'm an outsider because I didn't hear the gospel till I was 24. Uh, if I was going to make an observation from the last 36 years, it, it would be this. Most Christians are satisfied with mediocrity. Pursue personal excellence. You see, God doesn't look at the... Uh, absolute value of what we're doing. God looks at what something cost us. You remember the story of the widow's mite? He said about that widow, she has done more than all these other people because what she did was the very best she could do. It was very sacrificial to her, even though it didn't appear as much to others. God is looking for excellence from you, just like He's looking for excellence from me. By the way, excellence for you is not the same as excellence for me. In some cases, many of you should be able to do more than I do. And in other cases, I should be able to do more than you. God is looking for excellence. How it compares doesn't matter. Now listen, I love to win. Um, I don't get to compete anymore, uh, really. Um, I stopped playing basketball and softball in in my earlier mid-50s, whatever. I hate not competing. I I mean, I love to compete. But you you know what? Uh, You need to teach your children that once you've competed, once you've given your best, if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. I'm not implying liking losing. I'm just saying teach them to give excellence. So how can I teach my children excellence? Start by modeling it. Uh, Listen, if I was a stay-at-home mom, my children would be watching me be an excellent stay-at-home mom. I was an engineer. My children, I hope, watched me be an excellent engineer. I mean, now I'm a pastor. I was an assistant pastor for eight years. Uh, I hope what my children saw was someone who sought excellence in those things. Whatever you do, do it as well as you're capable of doing. Have high expectations for their effort in schoolwork. Don't let them get by with sloppy work make them do it over. Talk to them often about giving their best instead of comparing what they do to their friends. Help them learn to be more comfortable with whatever their best produces. By the way, sometimes the best a student can do is a B. You should be satisfied with that if it's really their best. Seek areas God has gifted them to excel. People always enjoyed doing what God gifted them to do. Now, this whole thing was super illustrated. Actually, your dad was involved. Our kids were at that time in second grade while I was at Central Baptist Schools. And they had parent-teacher night. And I should have known something was up. Because when I went there for parent-teacher night, the whole room was full. And it wasn't just the teacher. The principal was in there, which happened to be her dad. And I'm kind of clueless to my environment. But, you know, so I'm, all right. And so he starts talking instead of the teacher and saying, hey, listen, I know a lot of you are upset that uh, your kids have had a lot of math homework. And uh, I just wanted you to know, we upped our math curriculum uh, this year to make our math curriculum better. I know you're working hard on it. Uh, I know a lot of you are not happy with it. And man, I watched five or six parents raise their hand. I still remember the one guy said, I didn't learn all this math and I turned out fine. And I just had it. Uh, And so I lifted my hand and I just said, by the way, uh, thank you for making the math program harder. Uh, My children are going to compete with the rest of the world in math when they finish school. Thank you for helping them be more competitive. And you would have thought I had three eyes. (laughs) But I don't care. My job as a parent is to help my child become whatever God made them become. That's character. It's learned behavior. It's not a gift from God. And you and I are there to help them. Our time is up. Fill out a question. Turn them in up here. God bless you. You're dismissed.